Well, I want to welcome you today to the continuation of our Switch message series. Over the last couple weeks, I had the opportunity to travel across the world, specifically Southeast Asia. I flew into Singapore, which in my opinion is the coolest city I've ever experienced in my life, and then traveled from there to KL Malaysia, which stands for Kuala Lumpur. Was there for a couple days, then went to Bangkok, spent one night in Bangkok, and then went from Bangkok into Laos. And the purpose of my trip was to understand, with several other pastors, more about the 3,400 unengaged, unreached people groups of the world, people groups that have never heard the message of Christ. In one village in Laos, we shared the story about Christ's life, and we asked them if they'd ever heard about the message of Christ, and this group of people looked around and said to one another, have you heard about Christ? And one guy said no, and then looked at another, have you heard about Christ? Nobody had ever heard of the message of Christ. And in one of these villages that we went into in Laos, at the end of our trip, there was at the middle of the village, this pole that had been erected by the community and put there as a place where they would bring a water buffalo to sacrifice a water buffalo for all of their sins throughout the past year. And on this water buffalo, as this water buffalo was sacrificed, the blood would spill out onto the ground and the people of this village believed that as the blood spilled out on the ground, all of their sins would be canceled away. And I just thought about this very powerful verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, that all across the world, people are longing for relationship with God. In every nation, tribe, and culture, there is something inside of us that is missing until it's fulfilled with a relationship with God. But our natural human tendency... In light of this gap and the brokenness inside of us, our human tendency is to try to repair that gap between us and God through religion. That oftentimes we create rules and procedures and sacrifices and things that we can do in order to earn our way back to God. And what has happened in every society, in every culture, in every religion, where the way back to God is through our good deeds, there is bondage that has been placed on the hearts and lives of men and women all over the world. And today as we continue our switch series, we've been talking about powerful paradigm switches that change everything in our lives. And we want to move from seeing God in the context of religion to beginning to see him in the context of relationship. In fact, Martin Luther got this. He was the guy that started what is known as the Protestant Reformation, in 1522, when he walked up to the door of the church and he nailed on the door of his local church a document that became known as the 95 Thesis. The Catholic Church had been teaching people that they could buy their way to God, that somehow they could make payments and remove their sins and repair what had been broken in their lives through religion. And Martin Luther said, it's not about religion, it's about relationship, that God created us for relationship with himself he came to earth to repair the gap between humanity and himself. Yet still, 500 years later, after the Reformation, after the teachings of Jesus, still people in every nation, tribe, and tongue try to fix the brokenness in their lives through religion. Yet Jesus proclaimed something entirely different, that there is freedom in relationship with him. There's a verse I want you to look at with me. It's in Galatians chapter 5. You'll find it actually inside your program and this is a verse I want to challenge you to memorize this week. Let's read it together. It says this. 
it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. One more time with everybody together. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. The Apostle Paul is saying that religion produces bondage, yet God wants to give us freedom. And what so many of us do, even in God giving us freedom, that we take religion again back on our shoulders, trying to repair our brokenness through our good deeds. And today, there is great freedom, there is great joy and great peace for all of humanity, for every nation, tribe, and tongue that will receive relationship with God. And that's what we want to emphasize today and focus in on. The switch is moving from religion to relationship. And we're going to look at a story found in the book of Luke in the New Testament. This is an account of the life of Jesus. And Jesus is going to give us a parable to help us deal with the subject of religion and move from religion to relationship. And it starts off in verse number nine saying this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told them this parable. Sometimes I'm reading the Bible, and it's almost funny or comical to me how common the struggle in the scriptures were with the struggle that we face in our age. Jesus gives us this parable to deal with the self-righteousness of humanity, that all of us, let's just be honest with ourselves, that we have a tendency to judge other people in areas where we succeed and they fail. Have you ever noticed this? In every culture, every, every tribe, every religion across the world, we have a human tendency to judge people who struggle where we're weak. You disagree with me, just go to Trader Joe's without your bags to carry out your groceries. I'm not saying that this has ever happened in my life, but you get some pretty bad scoffs when you walk into Trader Joe's and you have to use bags that have been provided by them. See, we have a tendency to judge other people where we do well and they struggle. Religion is all about judging people. It's all about trying to repair the gap between us and God and our good deeds. And Jesus gives us this story and he says, to some who were confident of their own self-righteousness, he gave them this parable. And part of what I wonder today is maybe some of us are blinded by our own self-righteousness, that we feel like we are good enough to earn our way back to God, and somehow we might think that this message today might be for the person to the right of us or the left of us, for our spouse or for our friend who's not here, or for the person that's sitting in front of us, that oftentimes God is trying to communicate and speak to our lives and into our hearts but we fail to receive it because of our own self-righteousness. And I wonder today if you and I could just be honest with ourselves long enough and open up our hearts just enough to let God reveal the self-righteousness in religion, maybe even the hypocrisy that might be in us preventing us from the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with himself. And he gives us this story to help do that. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. One of these guys is going to represent religion and the other guy is going to represent relationship. The Pharisee represents religion. They were the folks that had it all together. They knew how to keep God's laws. They could take a scroll and put a needle in it and know by how far the scroll was, the needle was into the scroll, exactly what verse of the Bible it was on. They had memorized God's laws, his statutes, Yet they were so condemning to everybody else who struggled, everybody else whose lives were broken. And Jesus says that there are two men, 
who went to a temple to pray. One of them a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And I find it interesting at times that people can be coming to church with totally different motivations. That this morning you got up and you showered and you put your clothes on and came here and maybe you're really faithful and you take notes during the message and you sing the songs with all your heart and you clap and then at the end of the service when the buckets go by, you give back to God. And there, there is this tendency even within religion for our motivation to become impure. This Pharisee had everything right. He was doing everything externally that he was supposed to do, but Jesus says in the midst of his religion, he had lost relationship with God. Two men, totally different motivations. One man's motivation was religion. The other man's motivation was relationship. A sinner tax collector whose life was broken. And then Jesus says this, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He doesn't pray to God. He prays about himself. And then he says this, God, I thank you that I'm not like all of these other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I mean, imagine what Jesus is saying. Here is this guy who stands up in the middle of the church service and starts pointing to everybody else who struggles. God, I thank you that I'm not like this guy over here that I know cheated on his taxes. God, I'm so glad I'm not like this guy over here that robbed the bank. God, I'm, I'm so glad I'm not like this guy who's sleeping around on his wife and looking at internet pornography. And he just picks the worst of the worst so he starts to feel better about himself. And finally he says, I'm so glad I'm not like this horrible tax collector who's seated, seated right next to me. Could you imagine how the tax collector felt in this moment? And this is what religion does. Religion causes us to focus on everything that we can do for God. It causes us, point number one, if you're taking notes, religion causes us to focus, what on, focus on what I can do for God. It causes me to focus on my good deeds and then in doing so, at times, elevates us above others who struggle. And self-righteousness is not just something that happens with people who call themselves followers of Christ or religious. Self-righteousness happens with any of us who succeed in one area of our lives. I thought of some of, some of the different things that we might say. God, I, I'm so glad. Or maybe you don't say God if you're not a follower of Christ or believe in God. But I, I'm so glad I'm not like the arrogant rich guy. Some people who struggle financially might say, I'm I'm glad I'm not like that guy who's rich. He might have money, but he's arrogant. Or, or somebody who's wealthy might say something like, I'm so glad I'm not like that lazy poor guy who can't get out of bed. Uh, others might say, I'm so glad I'm not like, I don't think this would happen a whole lot in the Bay Area, but I'm so glad I'm not like that immoral liberal Democrat. Or others might say, I'm so glad I'm not like the heartless selfish Republican. Or I'm so glad, uh, this happened to me, okay? This last week, I, I, um, I realized I was, as I was going through this passage, I judge people who eat McDonald's. And um, if you eat McDonald's, I'm sorry, please don't take it personal. But I just, I have a tendency, I take my boys to McDonald's sometimes on Boys Club, and I'll, I'll get them Danishes because they're like 59 cents a piece, and I will get oatmeal. I promise you I get oatmeal and coffee, and I will sit around and judge everybody who's eating cheeseburgers, Big Macs, and fries. And this last week I was in Bangkok and I had been eating rice and chicken and God knows what for a few days. Not that, you know, in KL or Singapore they eat bad stuff, but like in Laos you don't really know what you're getting. You know, there were a few dogs and now there aren't any dogs. 
And um, so anyways, I was like desperate in the Bangkok airport. And I looked down and I realized I'm eating a sausage McMuffin, two sausage McMuffins. And I'm like, I'm a horrible hypocrite, no good sinner. See, there, there's this tendency, though, that we all struggle with at times, self-righteousness. And religion gets us to focus on what we can do to repair the gap between us and God. And the only thing that this Pharisee can focus on is he, him keeping the law, his ability to keep the law before a righteous and perfect God. Yet there's something that happens when we begin to do this. It causes us, religion causes us to go one of two directions. I'll say it like this. I told this story uh, one time before in one of my sermons. Before Stacy and I got married, I was on what we called an LGN diet. It stands for look good naked because I was going on my honeymoon with her. And, uh, and I was trying my very best to look good without a shirt on. And uh, it takes a lot more work for me than others. And I was in the gym one day and I had just finished my workout. And there was a guy who was seated next to me who, let's just say he was a tad bit overweight. And I started looking at this guy thinking to myself, man, I'm so glad I don't look like him. And as I'm sitting there feeling really puffed up and arrogant about my, my good deeds and running on a treadmill and I'd lost 15 pounds, in walks Fabio. And this dude was cut. I'm talking like 16-pack in his ab. Every muscle in his upper body, you could see it. His legs were skinny like a chicken, but he was cut up top. And I just, I just went like in one moment from being puffed up and arrogant to being discouraged and deflated. And that's what religion does for us. It causes us to go back and forth between arrogance and looking down on others to being discouraged to, as Paul says, having this yoke of bondage and slavery upon our shoulders. And Jesus is communicating through this story that religion can never solve the problem for us. It can never repair the gap that has come between us and God because of our misdeeds. And Jesus continues the story and listen to what he says as he finishes this illustration. But the tax collector, on the other hand, stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. He stood there speechless in front of a holy and righteous God. Here's this Pharisee saying, I'm so glad I'm not like this guy. And here is this man standing off at a distance saying, God, I'm so unworthy to be in your presence with my folly, with my selfishness, with my arrogance, with my jealousy. Who am I to come into the presence of a holy and righteous God, speechless before him? It reminds me of a time I was in fourth grade, and my parents had been going through a divorce, which does not rationalize or even excuse what I'm about to tell you, but at the time, I was really struggling with school, and I figured I could cheat on a test, and that would help me with my studies. It would basically help me at least pass the test. And so I went in to take the test that day and decided I would write the answers to the test on my hand. And I have no idea still to this day why I decided to do that with a Sharpie marker. <laughs> so I put it on my hand and later that day I went to the bathroom and I tried to scrub my hands clean and it didn't come off. And so sitting in class next to a guy named Robbie... Robbie, I'm looking for you on Facebook. And Robbie 
goes to my teacher and tells her that I've cheated on the test. And my teacher comes to me and says, Andy, let me see your hand. I hold out my hand, and here are all the answers to the test. And my teacher, no kidding, you just starts weeping in front of me. And you can imagine how spineless I felt at this moment, just wanting to crawl into a hole and die, speechless. And sometimes this happens to us. In our brokenness, in our sin, we, we realize, given unto ourselves our destiny, where we would end up because of our anger, because of our bitterness, because of our selfishness, because of the times that we're frustrated with our children or a spouse or a roommate, that if we were given over to ourselves, where we would end up. And here is this tax collector that understands his life, his marriage, his relationship with God, his relationship with his kids, his finances are completely out of whack, his life is out of order, he does not deserve deserve a relationship with God, and he says to God, oh God, if you would just have mercy on me, if you would just extend your hand of mercy and transform my life, God, this is my only hope for the bridge to be paved or the path to be paved between you and I. This is my only hope, God, is your mercy. Maybe he had heard of verses like Lamentations chapter 3 in the Old Testament that says, because of the Lord's great love, We're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new with every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Or or maybe you had heard of a passage like Psalm 25, verse 6 in the Old Testament that says, Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and your love, for they are from old, that from eternity into the past, that there is this God that is merciful, that longs to extend his compassion and his love to humanity. And religion... Well, it gets us to focus on all the things that we can do for God. Relationship, on the other hand, gets us to focus on all the things that God has done for us. There's a radical difference. There is a radical difference in a life that focuses on everything that God has done for us. As the psalm says, that from old he has been a merciful God. And when you peer into the life of Jesus and you look at this man who lived a perfect sinless life, that at the end of 33 years here on planet Earth would be murdered by the very people that he had come to save. There with nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head, perfect sinless man, God and human flesh would be crucified for the sins of the world, not a water buffalo, but God himself tied to a tree. And as his blood spilled onto the ground, it could become a payment for your wrongdoings and my wrongdoings. And the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west is how far this God removes our sin from us. Scripture says that the sacrifice of Christ's blood on a cross would cause the Father to say that their sins I remember no more. And this this sinful tax collector could stand before a holy and righteous God with his slate completely wiped clean. And Jesus would conclude this story. By saying, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know what was amazing to me in being overseas? I got to see world religions in a way that I've never seen them before. I was in Malaysia And I got to watch people in Malaysia as they went on Fridays, the Muslims, as they went for their prayers. 
and I got to go to a Buddhist temple where people walked into this Buddhist temple after purchasing fruit at this stand outside, and this fruit, they believe, was a payment to appease the gods as they walked in and laid their fruit in front of a statue, hoping that their debt might be canceled. I heard a story that Muslims believe that for every one wrong deed that you commit, you have to do a hundred good deeds to repay the debt that has been made by your one wrong deed. And it reminded me of a time that I heard the guy who founded Twitter, and he stood in front of this large group of people, and someone asked him, you know, it's very obvious that you do a lot of good through your company, and you give back, and there are all these the, the philanthropy that happens through your life, and you, you just seem so generous. What is it about you? And he said, I feel like there's a debt that has been caused by my life, and I'm trying to repay it. See, in high-tech Silicon Valley, in the jungles of Laos, in cities like Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia, in Singapore with Buddhists, in every country across the world, people realize that they're broken. It's, it's our human tendency. We, we mess our lives up, and then we try to repair the gap by our good deeds, our hard work. And this whole concept of religion has forced humanity into bondage when there is this merciful God longing for relationship with each of us that paid the path apart from religion so that men and women from every nation, tribe, and tongue could hear of the mercy of God and by faith, through His grace, relationship could be restored and now you don't have to live trying to appease some idol or some gods that you can live out of the overflow of God's grace that has been transferred into your life and into my life and our expression of obedience and following him can come from gratitude because of the mercy that he has extended to us. There is a radical difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector. One misses the grace of God. One receives the grace of God. One is steeped in religion and his hard work. One receives this forgiveness of all of his bad deeds and stands before a holy and righteous God with his slate completely wiped clean. And today the message that God is wanting to proclaim to us is there is freedom, there is joy, there is peace, there is hope in relationship with me. Stop striving on your own good deeds. Stop, stop trying to earn merit before me and receive the gift that I want to give to you through my son. When we walked into one of these villages in Laos, there was a guy that we shared the message of Christ with. Asked him if he had ever heard the message before. He said, no. At the end of it, we said, would you like to follow Christ? No known followers of Christ in his village of about 400 people. And we just said, hey, would you like to follow him? Two guys that were there talking with him. He looked right back at them and he said, yeah, I believe in this. First time hearing the message of Christ. He made a decision in that moment to believe and to follow Christ. And I looked into the expression of this guy's eyes as he was praying out loud this prayer, committing his life to Christ in front of his village of all these people who'd never heard the message of Christ, possibly going to be persecuted for his faith. The first thing he says when he's done is, now I must share this message with my family. This is good news. And then the next morning, we sat down for breakfast with this guy. We had him come to our hotel and we were just walking through passages of scripture and this young man who just received salvation and made a decision to follow Christ looked at us and he said, 
So this means that I don't have to make sacrifices on the pole anymore, doesn't it? He got it. No more sacrifices. It's finished. There is freedom and peace and joy for all of humanity, for every nation, tribe, and tongue. Not through religion, through relationship. I was blown away by one other story on our trip. Uh, there's a, a local missionary who lives in Singapore, and he's been a part of two movements of, of the message of Christ where hundreds of thousands of people have come to faith in places where it's illegal to be a follower of Christ. And he said on one occasion he was meeting with all of these national pastors who were being persecuted for their faith, many of them thrown into prison for their faith. And he asked them, he said, how many of you have been persecuted for your faith in Christ? Like dozens of pastors, all of whom had been thrown into prison for their faith. None of them raised their hands. And he said he was so puzzled because he knew that all of these men and women had been thrown into prison for their faith in Christ. Yet when he asked them if they had been persecuted for their faith, none of them raised their hands. And he said, well, let me ask it a different way. How many of you have been thrown into prison for your faith in Christ? And so they all raised their hands. And he looked back at them and he said, so what you're telling me is that you've been thrown into prison, but you haven't been persecuted? It just doesn't make sense to me. And they said, oh, no, that's not persecution. You should see our brothers and sisters who were murdered and beaten for their faith in Christ, who gave their lives. That's persecution. This is just a trial. And then he looks at these men and he says, let me just say, as one who's never had to suffer in the way that you've had to suffer, I just want to say, I'm sorry for what you've endured. And these men looked back at him and said, Oh, no, 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 no. Don't you apologize for our persecution. Don't you apologize for what we suffered for our faith. We, we are rejoice that we have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Guys, religion doesn't produce that. Religion doesn't produce a group of people or followers of Christ that are willing to lay down their life for a message. It's only relationship. It's only mercy. It's only grace. And no matter where you are in your journey today, there is a God that loves you and longs for you to have relationship with him apart from religion, apart from you feeling this bondage of trying harder and harder and harder and never being able to measure up. There is freedom and peace and joy that can come to you no matter what your background, if it's Buddhist or Muslim or atheist, that God is knocking on the door of some of our hearts today saying, move from religion to relationship. Receive freedom in what I've done for you on a cross. That as Jesus was crucified on a cross, resurrected from the dead, that his death becomes a payment. Just like a water buffalo in the perception of this tribe in Laos, just as they perceive that, Jesus is the ultimate, the only sacrifice that can pay for the the wrongdoings, and the brokenness of humanity. And I want us to watch this powerful story of somebody recently here at South Bay who's crossed from religion to relationship, and then afterwards I'll be up to close it out. My name is Thomas, and this is my story. I am 46 years old, a retired Marine, and a former sniper. As you can imagine, as a former sniper, 
I've had to take a life. And because of that, even though it was to save lives, I still felt a tremendous amount of guilt and shame. I've always been a Catholic, went to Mass on a regular basis. The difference was I always, I always had a relationship with God, but my relationship was more of uh, guilt and a sense of uh, regret for my life experiences. So for me, going to church was, when I went to Mass, was more about not so much praying, but you know, apologizing, not so much asking for forgiveness, but a feeling of basically regret. So I wanted my son to have a better relationship with God than what I was having. So I look at, you know, friends and family and, you know, I had both Catholic and as well as Christian friends. So as I looked around and I saw the kids that were behaving well, who had a good relationship with God, I just found that them to be Christian. So I called one of my aunts and asked her, you know, can you take us with you to church? I would like to take my son so he can develop a relationship with God. So we arrived at uh, South Bay, and especially as a Catholic, the first impression was pretty dramatic. And I'm thinking, you know, these people are wearing jeans, they're drinking coffee, you know, who's this guy with the little goatee up there talking? The message for the day was, where was God when I? And, you know, me, I'm, thinking, I'm a pretty devout Catholic. Yeah, I know where God is. He's everywhere. But at the end of the sermon, what I got out of it was, what is my relationship with God? Not so much where is He? I know He's around me. But how have I developed that relationship? So, you know, I felt a connection right away with the church. And after, after a few times, it wasn't about my son anymore because I was getting so much out of it. And it's, it's just hard to explain, you know, even like with uh, yeah, talking with like other friends and you tell them, you know, we, uh, we go to church, I felt like God's talking to me. And you know, for us, you know, for me, it's like, no, you don't understand. This is a miracle, he's talking to me. And even when I told some of my other friends, knowing that I was a Marine, they said after the pastor baptized you, you know, don't jump up and try and dunk him. You know, don't body slam the, the pastor for baptizing you. So that was kind of the running joke. So for me and people to see me make the decision was very traumatic, you know, for them, especially knowing me. So one of the biggest changes in me was going from the, the transition the transition from believer to follower. So as a believer, you know, of course I would, you know, go to church and pray and beg for forgiveness. But now, you know, I pray constantly. But it's more of a conversation between me and the Lord. And my decision was life-changing in the sense that my Perception is so much different now. And my relationship with Jesus is more than my best friend. Because I probably 
talk to him several times a day now. And it's, it's a conversation. It's not down on my knees in front of a cross praying to God. It's a one-to-one -one personal relationship and a conversation, and I couldn't be happier. I want to introduce you to Thomas, and I just want you to um, thank him for sharing his story. You know, that story represents literally hundreds, if not thousands of people in our valley that are striving religiously from Catholicism to Islam to Buddhism for religions all over the world. And I just want to pray a prayer over Thomas today and for all of you who might be in this situation before we conclude and just ask that God would give us the freedom that comes in relationship and remove the chains and the bondage of religion. Father, thank you today for your mercy and your grace that comes through the cross and through an empty tomb, that we don't have to strive religiously anymore, but there is freedom. And I pray for every person in this room, and Thomas included, God, that you you would let Thomas's story become representative of hundreds and thousands of stories of people that cross from religion to relationship. Thank you for the work that you're doing in so many people's lives to bring freedom, to bring joy, to bring peace. And I pray that you would help us leave religion behind to find the joy of relationship with you. Just as Thomas said in his story, ongoing throughout the course of the day, a conversation with you it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Thank you for his story and for the many other stories. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give